Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngsc sports radio hear us live on ngscsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, spreaker itunes tune in and much more for our latest videos head to ngsc sports youtube channel follow us on twitter at ngsc sports and like us on facebook ngsc sports we never stop. Live on in people's hearts, just like the Afford Affair podcast for as long as this runs on. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall and Crime, Wes Bradshaw. This is episode 132. We have made it to, uh, I don't know. I have, I have no esoteric back for 132 at the moment. Uh, it's like 60, it's 68 times two. That's no, yeah, it is, yeah, it is, yeah, no, it's not. 66 times two. 66 times two, that's right. Is that right? <sighs> Math. Math is hard. Um, but what is also hard is getting points in the Premier League for some teams. For other teams, it's proven to be not so difficult. Hello, Chelsea. Where were you earlier this season? We have much more to talk about, though, from the Premier League. We also, of course, have uh, a little Europa League recap to do, as as we love to do every once in a while when Manchester United loses. I mean, when the Europa League actually takes place. Uh, we'll, of course, also have news and notes watch for and so raw. And as always, the podcast is presented to you by NGSC Sports. I'm Nick's USA, and Christy Rojas, and I'm Empower. So, Wes, to the football? Sure. Sure. Why not? It is the most important thing. That is, uh, you know, just real quick, as a real quick sidebar, I was thinking that we could say or make a mention in our game tomorrow night, our high school football game we're doing tomorrow night. um, You know, we we can say something like, well, we know 2016 hasn't been a great year for a lot of you guys, and we're about to make it even worse. Oh, this is the, the, the high school football game of the week is over forever. <laughs> uh, Clint, I, I will also share a. Uh, that's true. I will also share a text that uh, our good friend of the pod, Clint, sent me. Um, but I will, I will share that with you after we get done. So onwards to the football and the Premier League. Our first five match of the week, question mark? Well, we're not really going to talk about it, but this was an exhilarating match as Burnley continue their quest to stay afloat this season with a big win over Crystal Palace. Burnley found themselves up 2-0 early, but two second-half ballot goals led to the dramatic finish where Ashley Barnes put home the winner entirely against the run of play and on the counter as it finished Burnley 3, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, maybe the biggest win of the weekend as Dave 
David Moyes lives on. A Jermaine Defoe penalty was the difference in Sunderland getting their first victory of the season as the 10-man Black Cats held on resolutely after they took the lead against AFC Bournemouth. Victor Anachibi early on was the one to cancel out an early Dan Gosling chested goal as it was AFC Bournemouth 1, Sunderland 2. West Ham got a point without scoring as Glenn Whelan of Stoke gifted them an own goal with under half an hour to play. But 10 minutes later, Began Krkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkk
it just didn't click. I mean, that just that happens sometimes. Um, and when City aren't firing on all cylinders, when everybody isn't out there, you know, kind of giving giving what they've got, City can turn themselves into a very average team at times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just what we saw. They were just they were just average. And that is that is one of those weird things that, you know, it's I, I, bless you. I feel like with everything that that sort of happened with City and with the with the change in management, you know, we, we thought that, you know, maybe, you know, we, we had our questions about Pep. But I, I think this wasn't one of the things that that we really thought was was going to be the case. And this is now for for City, even with their their two big wins last week, they won away at West Brom 4-0, then came back and thrashed Barcelona in the Champions League. Last home match they also drew 1-1 against Southampton. Um it's it, it, I just I'm very surprised that a Pep led team would come out this flat, and I and I don't really understand. After everything they've been through the last couple of years, they've they've jettisoned Yaya Torre. They they've tried to to bring in some guys that might be a little more uh, in Pep's style. It, it's just surprising to see them put in a performance again. With, these are these are important points already for City with the way Liverpool is playing, with the way Chelsea is coming on, and with you know Arsenal and Tottenham right there on their heels. To drop two points like this in the last few minutes of a match at home is is something that a true title champion cannot do. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was rough, and at least early on through this point of the Premier League. <laughs> It doesn't look like anybody's really going to run away with the league this year, mm-hmm. um, unless and this is not just me being, you know, Mister Mister Liverpool Red Homer. Um, Liverpool, well, and I'll put this for two teams: Liverpool and Chelsea. Yep, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yep. uh, probably if anyone has a chance to run away with it, it's going to be one of those two, just based on the fact that they do not have the European commitments. Right. Um, they don't have to worry about the Champions League. Hey, you know, United might be in the same boat soon. Me and Jürgen made the city. Um, but, you know, if anyone can do it, it's going to be one of those two, I think. So, City, you know, like I said, Middlesbrough has played well this year, you know, at times, especially in big matches. Um, but th- this was really, really poor of City at home to drop these points. It's one thing to drop them on the road. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to drop them at home. And especially by giving up a late goal, you know, there's a, excuse me. Oh me. Uh, there's a big difference in, you know, last season, Liverpool had a famous draw with West Brom at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three, three where they scored late, and, you know, it was a fantastic result because you rescued a point. Mm-hmm. But when you're at home and you're the giant favorite and you drop two, <laughs> I mean, because that's all it is. You, City didn't win a point. They lost two points. Right. I mean, that's totally how they've got to see that. Uh, that that's that's poor and that's, uh, that's somewhat demoralizing, uh, potentially demoralizing for that group. Now, I guess you could say luckily, not luckily. However you want to look at it, they do go to the international break now. 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You don't have to really worry about that law, that, that draw now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, with as tight as this Premier League race is, two drop points could cost you uh, at the – usually we say in May, but actually I believe the season ends at the very end of April this year, so – it is a little earlier this season and uh you know just to middlesbrough i mean their last time out on the road they went to the emirates and played arsenal to a nil-nil draw and really maybe even should have won that match um so this is uh this is a a good middlesbrough road team um that, that can give teams problems but still man city if 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 they want us to take them seriously if they don't want to be city from yesteryear and three years ago they have to be better in these kind of matches. Also, no, Premier League does go till uh, May 21st this year. Oh, okay. What was I thinking? I don't know what I was saying. I guess I was thinking about something else ending in, uh, in April. Sorry. It's fine. Because um, I just saw that. That's uh, when Middlesbrough end the season. Do you know where they end the season, Wes? Uh, I believe it's with Liverpool, isn't it? It is at Anfield. That is correct. I thought that was right. I thought that was right. So... Everybody, notch notch that one down in your calendars as a potential as a potential wrench spanner in the works for another team. Um, as far as you mentioned them, though, Chelsea title race joined, and we didn't think we'd be saying that like a month and a half ago. Chelsea throttle Everton to the sound of five goals to nil. Ed Nazard and Marcus Alonso scored just a minute apart midway through the first half. Diego Costa made it 3-0 before the break, and Azard and Pedro finished off Ronald Koeman's side after 65 minutes. It was Chelsea 5, Everton 0. Wes, we, we made fun of it at the time, but now we're seeing legitimately the phrase thrown around defensive anchor David Luiz. Um, we, we have seen Conte now go to his beloved 3-4-3. And since that point, I want to say it's more the 3-4-3 that really than David Luiz. Because there's 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 still time for Sideshow Bob to screw this all up. But all of a sudden, Chelsea look like one of the most dangerous teams in the Premier League again, returning almost to their uh, 2014 form when they won the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we were talking about three or four weeks ago about the bookies, you know, uh, mm-hmm. closing the bets on Conte being the next manager to go. Whoops. Um, I was so hoping that it would happen. <laughs> because, I mean, really, when you look at it, Conte is one of the... I mean, I think he's absolutely in the class when you want to talk about Klopp or Pep or, you know, the ghost of Josie Mourinho. <laughs> I think Antonio Conte is absolutely in that class uh, mm-hmm. of manager. I mean, he has he has trophies. Um, he's won big things. He's, he's managed big matches, obviously, you know, he's had the Italian national team and then what he did at Juventus. Um, it was, I, I thought it would be kind of a matter of time. And if he could get this group to buy into what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. I was really hoping, you know, not thinking they would actually fire him this early. I was just really hoping it would take him a couple of transfer windows to get in what he wanted. Uh, but right now they found a really good vein of form. Um, the, the three four three has people flummoxed. Uh, they've been dominant in midfield. 
and the goals have started to flow a little more. I, I still believe scoring wise, I mean I mean let's not let's not get it twisted. This is still a flawed Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think this year, especially in, in world football anywhere, I think everyone is somewhat flawed. I mean, we're talking Barcelona. We've seen Barcelona have their issues. Mm-hmm. Everyone is somewhat flawed this year, and uh, Chelsea are no different. <clears throat> um, my only concern with Chelsea is the fact that I believe they are so reliant on Diego Costa as their primary scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I understand. You know, they scored five goals in this match, and they had what about three or four different players score, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I just believe that Costa is the one guy who, you know, everyone's terrified of Diego Costa uh, for, mm-hmm. for maybe different. Yeah. Everyone maybe different Multiple reasons. reasons. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I just think if something happens to him, they could really struggle once again to put the ball in the goal. Uh, I think he what he does opens up for Eden Hazard. Um, it opens up for you know Pedro if he comes in. Um, so I think they're really reliant on that guy up top. Maybe, maybe even more so I think than Tottenham is reliant on maybe Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Just to compare. I- just to compare. Yeah, and because we, we have seen Ezard, Ezard now with seven goals on the season, Costa with nine, and I think a real big reason why uh, Azard has, has gotten off to such a good start this year is because of Costa. Mm-hmm. Now, now something I am curious about is, is how much now do we believe that there, there had to have been some sort of gigantic rift between Josie and the players last year. Um, I mean, yeah, I thought it was obvious then. It's I, I mean, it was, it's just, it's striking to see like how, how much better some of these guys are playing. And again, this is basically for all intents and purposes, besides N'Golo Conte, this is basically the same team. And of course, David Luiz coming in as well, but by and large, this is still the same Chelsea team that was there for pretty much all of last season. So, so to see them make this sharp of a turnaround, I, I guess my question becomes after what happened with Josie and, and we did remark at the beginning of the year, sort of that maybe not the exact same styles, but Conti and Josie both have very demanding coaching philosophies is is this another team though? Like since these are mostly the same principal characters, maybe minus Cesc Fabregas, he looks like he's on his way out. Is 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 the same thing possible to happen again though? Could could we wake up a year from now and and Costa and Azard are pissed at Conte because they yelled at him? We heard a couple weeks ago Costa wanted to come out of the match because he didn't want to hear Conte yell at him anymore while he was on the field. So it's it's is could we see something happen similar to what happened with Josie happen now with Conte or not now now but you know down the road. Um, well, I mean, let's always remember it. Uh, the one thing that makes all the yelling worthwhile is when you're pounding people four or five mil. That's true. Um, you know, if suddenly, uh, let's say, let's just say their next two matches, which I do not have in front of me. Let's say uh, Middlesbrough at home and someone. 
well, let's say that one ends 1-1. One, one. Mm-hmm. And then the one after it's nil nil and it's a dour day. The one after is uh, Chelsea Tottenham. There you go. I mean, let's... actually, this is this is their run. They go to Middlesbrough, home for Tottenham, to City. Okay. Um, well, 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 let's say let's say they come out of that run of three with a maximum of three points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say that. Let's say you know, they get three draws, or they win one of those and lose two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fortunes can change quickly. Um, and the thing is, for Chelsea, you have somewhat these volatile characters on the team. I mean, as well as Costa's playing right now, Diego Costa is a ticking time bomb. We know that. Oh, of course. Uh, Eden Hazard, uh, you know, he's flying right now because he's playing well. Well, you know, suddenly if the goals don't go in or he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball enough, he has shown the propensity to hang his head and half-ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, things can change. I just, I mean, right now they're just in a really good run of form. Um, and it all seems to be, seems to be fueled by this uh, the, this change in the, in the system, in the alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm... I'm I mean, Chelsea are playing fantastic right now, but I'm I'm not ready to say, oh, all right, everything's perfect at Chelsea. Because hey, I still I think Chelsea's gonna go into January. I think they're gonna be um I think they're gonna be working in January. I think they're gonna be looking new players. I think uh they're gonna work the market and see what they can bring in. Because yeah, while they are playing well right now, I don't think Conte is completely sold on this club. Or on this on this squad, not the club, but on the squad. Right. Uh, so you know, we'll have to see what happens. But you know, you take it right now, and they are playing extremely well right now, and it's got them. Uh, it's got them dreaming at the moment near the top of the table. And, and when we get to Liverpool, I'll I'll tell you a little bit of why I think Liverpool and Chelsea differ uh, in what could be their trajectories at the moment. Well, we that we weren't going to get to them right next match, but we can go ahead and use that as a segue into it. I mean, if, uh, if you want to, I mean, I, I don't want to mess up your. Work. No, we were just we were just going to talk about the North London Derby next. We, we well, can we, that we can that. save that for the main event status. What do you think? Exactly. Uh, so the key, as always, for Liverpool is to concede a goal, <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. As uh, but Daryl Yanmat alone was not enough to stop the onslaught of goals from the law firm of Mane, Coutinho, Firmino, Khan, and Wijnaldum, as it was Liverpool 6, Watford 1, as uh, as they climbed to the top of the table for the first time since spring 2014. So, Wes, you, you posed your own little statement there. Why don't you tell us, then, how Chelsea and Liverpool are different? Where I see Chelsea and Liverpool differing mm-hmm. is... This the system and we were just talking about the system the three four three. This is kind of the hot new thing at the moment for Chelsea. Yes, Conte's been running this system a long time, but mm-hmm. Chelsea have just gotten into it. I could be wrong in six months, who knows? But this is just how I feel at the moment. Um, Klopp, obviously bringing in heavy metal football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Liverpool have now been playing this system for over a year. The players are used to it. The players know everything they're doing. Uh, teams, here's the thing. 
teams can sit there and game plan because they've played against them playing this style of football. They can game plan. You know, Watford, I'm sure Watford came in with a hell of a game plan, and it all fell apart when six goals went in. Um, I, I just, I think right now Liverpool are the more sustainable just because just because I think of the experience in the system. And also, I'll say this, when I just talked about Diego Costa being vitally important to uh, to you know Chelsea being able to score goals, mm-hmm. um, I think Liverpool have about six guys. Uh, and you know if it's I mean Coutinho right now is in just a I mean he's in the form of his life right now. Uh, Firmino's been spectacular. Sadio Mane's been spectacular. Uh, Emre Chan has two and two since coming back from injury now. Jordan Henderson may quietly be the best uh, number six in, in England. Um, and, and that's before you even bring, you know, Daniel Sturridge, who may be the best pure English striker in the country, <laughs> before you bring him <laughs> off the bench. Um I just think Liverpool is a squad that they have goals in them from a lot of different places. Um, you know, if Firmino's having an off day, okay, you've got three other guys to pick up the slack. If Mane's having a shit day, you've got other guys to pick up the slack. Uh, I mean, you know, what was it coming off the – oh, there was one uh, Coutinho didn't even play, and I think they had three or four goals before they brought him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wijnaldum got off the mark the other day. He's a guy who's been playing deeper, but he can play forward. I mean, he scored double-digit goals for Newcastle a season ago. That's that's kind of what I what why I think Liverpool are a little are in a little better overall position than Chelsea just at the moment, at least, mm-hmm. because I think they're a little more sustainable because they've proven that they can sustain this now over time. Uh, since the turn of the year, Liverpool uh, lead the league in scoring. Um, I want to say they lead the league in scoring this year. Uh, not not, not yes. goal No, <laughs> we we give up our we give up uh, more I think than the other top teams, but we do lead the league in scoring. Well, now that now that said, your goal differential is only one worse than Chelsea, who is is top. That's true. Well, and um, I, I think that that helps off the back of. Uh, of uh, four two and six one, <laughs> yeah, that, that helped a lot. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, Liverpool kind of the same way. I mean, they're just they're in a really good run of form right now. <clears throat> I hope it lasts forever. I don't believe, obviously, it'll last forever. Uh, there's gonna be you know, there's gonna come a loss. There's gonna come a point in the season where they go loss, draw, draw, mm-hmm. and people are gonna be going, okay, what the hell's going on? And they're gonna have to refine the magic and. Kind of get it rolling again, um, but I, I just think this team is sustainable. Uh, they, you know, they, and the other thing, kind of comparing them to Chelsea, is yeah, they don't seem to have quite the big um, personalities of a Chelsea. And when I say personality, you know, don't get me wrong, they've got personality, but I mean the, you know, Eden Hazard, who <laughs> everything's not going my way, I'm going to cry now. Even though I'm probably the most talented player in England, I'm going to cry. And I'm going to sulk, and I'm going to score one fucking league goal this year. <laughs> you know, um, and, and Costa, of course, you, you never know. You never know what the hell is going to happen week to week with Diego Costa. 
I mean, the worst thing Liverpool have done this year is Firmino took his shirt off after scoring a goal. Yeah. Jordan Henderson has picked up yellow cards. <laughs> I mean, that that's about it. When it there, there was the brief moment where everybody thought Daniel Sturridge was going to bolt because mm-hmm. he wasn't happy. That That's probably yeah. actually the worst thing that's happened. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that said, I don't know if a year ago in I couldn't have said this. So obviously, when Brendan Rodgers was there. I mean, if if Daniel Sturridge leaves in January, if somebody wants to pay us thirty million pounds for Daniel Sturridge in January, I'm no longer completely freaking out about that uh, <laughs> about that happening. <laughs> because once again, all those names I mentioned earlier uh, in the free flowing football that Liverpool are playing, um, <clears throat> Watford, for for lack of a better term, no pun intended, Watford walked into their own hornet's nest that day. In Anfield, oh, but I'm ch- it was a it was a fantastic atmosphere. Liverpool were on the front foot early. Um, I know I say this, and everyone I guess could say this about their team from time to time. Probably should have had three or four more goals, mm-hmm. especially before the opener. They were uncharacteristically um, poor in front of goal. I mean, had really good looks from both Coutinho and Firmino. I think Firmino, a couple of them. And he just, they just pushed a wide. I mean, three, four feet wide. And um, once, but, but, you know, once they got the goal to go in, it kind of opened up everything for them. Uh, Aurelio Gomez, the the keeper for Watford, went down with an injury in the first half. And they had to bring on, uh, oh, God, who's the big guy who has played for Sunderland in the past? Uh, I was about to say Tim Krul, but then you no, said us. No, 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 not but, Tim Krul. It was, um, God, he's got like, like kind of like a Greek name almost. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, look this up. <gasps> well, anyway, he's like six foot seven. Oh. He's extremely tall. Pot, starts with a P. I want to say Potapinko, but. Oh, uh, Costal Pantilamon. Pantilamon, that's it, that's it. Uh, Pantilamon, he's play for City, maybe? Uh, so no, he's Sunderland. You, Sunderland. I think maybe City, but definitely Sunderland. Yeah, I know definitely like. Sunderland. Yeah. <clears throat> but Pantilmon's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I think he's like the tallest goalkeeper mm-hmm. in the league. And there were literally a couple of saves that, uh, of all things you could say, Costal Pantilmon was literally the only person in the league who could have made those saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, 6'1 all day, you know, that's an amazing scoreline, but... It truly could have been worse. Well, and you know, you you mentioned earlier the 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 time when you know the lost draw draw comes, and how do you react? This, this will be an interesting time period, and it's it's that lovely time when we decide we're going to play eight matches in nine days in the <laughs> Premier League. Um, and this is that there there will be a break between these first two, so they are a little spaced out. But this is an interesting five game stretch, I think, for Liverpool. They'll start December 19th. It's a Monday night game. They go to Goodison. Mm-hmm. Then they come home. Uh, they have about a week off, and then they're home to Stoke on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Then that Saturday, they're home to City. That's uh, New Year's Eve. Yes. And then the day after New Year's, they go to Sunderland. And then about a week after that, they are going to United. And, and God only knows how United's going to be at that point in the season. And I, but, I do have one thing to throw in there on that. Starting for the United game, Sadio Mane's in the African Cup of Nations. 
That is true because that will be taking place in January. So that, think, that is. I think it starts the day before the United, or he has to report or something like the day before the United match, which um, obviously Liverpool fans not exactly thrilled about. Good timing. So that's that's a five match stretch there that I think if you if you might see Liverpool stumble that that might be it. Um, elsewhere, I mean, there, there's obviously str- there's tough times ahead of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a stretch in February where they go they host Tottenham, go to Leicester, eh, and then go back home for Arsenal. Uh, and there's now there's another thing too. Um, after Liverpool, oh, where is that? Where's that New Year's Eve match? The New Year's the New Year's Eve match is at uh, is at Anfield. Okay, so after New Year's, I want to say the only of the top teams that they still have to go to. It's the two Manchester. It's the two Manchester's. I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, Arsenal at home, Tottenham at home, uh, Chelsea will be at Anfield, and right now, I mean, Fortress Anfield is a real thing again. So you know, we obviously. Pool fans were feeling very confident about that, and we're very happy with the way that second half falls out. Another thing, you know, that you're talking about playing Saturday and Monday. Mm-hmm. Thank God that Monday is Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you know, one thing we have seen from Liverpool this season uh, is you know Klopp has been willing to make his changes during the cup matches. So you've seen that squad be able to roll over. You've seen guys come in and be asked to do a job for a match. So I don't think I don't think Klopp will be terrified on that Monday to play a uh, Marco Grujic, a Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, I would have said a Danny Ings, but uh, but you know you could play Divock Origi and Sturridge up top together on that. You know that that's that's kind of the flexibility, you know, and then you can drop Kevin Stewart into the sixth position. You know, suddenly Liverpool have gone from, oh my God, there's no one on the bench to, we've got really good guys who can't even dress, mm-hmm. and that I think is what's bringing Liverpool up into that upper echelon more because you know, the Arsenal's, the Spurs, the Chelsea's, the Cities. The Arsenal, I said Arsenal, those, those kind of teams, they've been able to weather some storms because, you know, they've had they've had depth. Mm-hmm. And that guys they can go to. And, and, I mean, as we saw when Daniel Sturridge was injured, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, we have no one who can score. Uh, so I think that that's helped Liverpool. You know, we talk about the cup matches. I know you were thrilled to get out of the League Cup. Well, you know what? For Liverpool, that may have that may have helped them in in getting ready for you know January the the second, mm-hmm. you know, because those guys have experience now, and you're not just dropping them in and they haven't played in three months. So, I mean, yeah, we're going to win the game and win the league. That's all I got to say. Well, you mentioned Arsenal twice, so why don't we uh, we jump to them? And of course, it is November, so we all know that what that means. It's time for everything to fall apart at Arsenal, including maybe Alexis Sanchez's calf. Apparently, though, um, he's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's okay, but it's not it's yeah. not as bad as we thought it was going to be. He's going to try to play against Uruguay in the international break. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, we would never wish injuries on a player, but if they're there, you know, you know, 
Say la vie. Uh, the North London Derby proved once again that no matter the two teams' forms coming in, it will be a tense and titillating affair. Uh, Kevin Vimer put in a miss at Ozil free kick into his own goal, even though it looked like there was a couple Arsenal players who might could have been judged to be offsides on that one. Anyway, uh, it was just before the halftime break, uh, but Harry Kane converted a penalty five minutes after the restart, after Moussa Dembele was fouled by Laurent Koscielny, in the box. Kane's first match back from injury sparked Spurs, but last-minute defending saved the Gunners from dropping the match entirely to their rivals as it finished Arsenal 1, Tottenham 1. West Spurs media, Spurs social media was in complete disarray after the Champions League loss. Oh, we're going to lose 4-0 to Arsenal. It's going to be a bloodbath. I am so not looking forward to this. And as we've seen for for now three years on the trot, the Arsenal-Tottenham match at the Emirates finishes 1-1. This time, I believe, the first time that Arsenal score first in that uh, 1-1 affair. But Tottenham come back. They they get Harry Kane back, and really nothing could be bigger. Uh, the team re-energized, even with other injuries to people like Eric Lamella and Deli Ali, uh, as well as Toby Alderweireld. Uh, they they have come back together. They reunite under their talismanic leader, and all of a sudden, it is it is again another draw. But they look much better in it, and now going forward, things might start to kick back into gear for Tottenham as they continue to get people back. Well, it was it was a much better fixture for Tottenham than the uh, St. Totteringham's Day uh, mm. match at the end of last season. Uh, Harry Kane back is big. I know they only score one goal, and it is a, a penalty from Harry Kane. But Harry Kane is in the team. As you said, I think it energizes – I think his movement and what he does opens up more people around him. Jansen Jansen did a a solid job, I think, filling in. And uh, is it Son? Son, Min, Moon? Son. Whatever. Whatever. They all got the same name right, Ed. Um, Yeah. Hey, Trump's my president. I can say wherever the hell I want. Oh, this is where it starts. Thank you, America. Um, Those guys contributed well, and I think they did a good job, but they're not Harry Kane. No, That's the thing. Neither one of those guys are Harry Kane. Uh, Harry Kane gives you just so many extra dimensions. Um, And like I said, having him back is huge. Uh, I mean, Arsenal... For our dislike, our disdain of Arsenal that we have, mm-hmm. we cannot, we can't but admit that, man, that's a good team this season. Mm-hmm. I think this is as good an Arsenal team as we've seen recently. Uh, I think they're actually a little more mentally tougher. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Squadron Mustafi signing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're 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 a little more steel at the back. And I think that's a much better team. So for for Tottenham to come back and snatch a point um, in that match, uh, I think it was big for them. Um, Mentally and also, you know, hey, with with the way the Premier League is now, every point matters. So I think, A, it was big on that. But, B, I think it was big mentally for them to get over that hurdle and not go and get thumped. 
Well, and and also too, uh, we talked about the three four three from Chelsea uh, for I believe the second time under Maurizio Pochettino. The last time being uh, last year's fixture at Watford. Uh, Ch- uh, Tottenham also go out in a three four three. This one also do I think a little bit to injury, um, but in this one. Uh, Jan Vertonghen actually playing in the middle between Danny Rose and Kyle Walker and Kevin Weimer actually playing defensive midfield uh, alongside uh, Eric Dyer. Dyer actually also then getting to kind of push a little more forward. Very interesting setup from uh, from Spurs in this one, trying trying something just a little bit different uh, as they as they uh, basically pushed. Uh, really, I guess what they kind of did also is push Walker and Rose even more as wingbacks um, and, and let Dyer and uh, Weimer kind of do their thing more defensively, even though they were they were technically, quote unquote, the midfielders. Um, so so very interesting ploy by uh, Tottenham there against Arsenal. And it did work because for a lot of that match, Tottenham actually played very well and controlled the midfield. You know, when you when, you know, you. Arsenal brought a guy like Granite Xhaka over to sort of control that midfield. Uh, and then he runs into, you know, guys like Victor Wanyama and Musa Dembele just patrolling that defensive midfield. And it's like, oh, you guys are as big, if not bigger than I am. Oh, oh, no, I can't just run over you anymore. Darn. Um so, but again, a much better effort from Tottenham. Erickson had one go off the post um, that, that could have won it for Tottenham. There was another one where he fed in Harry Kane. And uh, literally, if Nacho Monreal doesn't just throw his entire body at it, Kane gets on the end and puts it in for the winner. Um, so this was this was an attacking Spurs team that really pushed Arsenal hard. And uh, as you said, Wessel, every point is huge in, at this stage in the, uh, the the season. And they they weathered the Harry Kane storm. They come out of it with zero losses, even if they still sit uh, fifth in the table. But, you know, that's that's big. And like I said at the beginning, as they continue to get people back healthy, they can start turning those draws into wins. You know, look out for Tottenham as uh, as, of course, they have one less cup to deal with. We'll see how the Champions League goes and uh, and we'll see where their status stands as they try to make a return march into the top four. And finally, in our five in focus, you know, Manchester United, they get a they get an easy three one win at Swansea with a brace of goals for Zlatan and a brace of assists for Wayne Rooney. And even Paul Pogba nice. added to his goal tally. So, of course, all's good, right? No. Well, Zlatan picked up a booking on a silly challenge on Leroy Fur with about 15 minutes to play. And because of the recruitment of its cards means he will miss the Arsenal match next time they come out. And then Josie called out like half his defense in the physio. So it finishes Swansea 1, Manchester United 3, and still somehow feels like a loss. Well, Josie has a special one or something when it comes to doing things like that. Um, Calls out Chris Smalling, calls out Luke Shaw. There are uh, big-time whispers going on around Man United right now that they could be very active in the January uh, market, especially on the defensive side. Um, I think we dropped it in last week. If you're a 24-year-old defender right now, 
it is a great time to be alive if you want to play in England. (laughs) Because, like, almost everyone in the top six, outside of maybe Tottenham, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and and maybe actually Arsenal at this point, uh, could be in the market to improve themselves anywhere across the back line. Mm -hmm. Um, And United are just the latest. I mean, here's the thing, you know, United paid big money for Luke Shaw about two or, God, it's been two, almost maybe three years now um, when they bought him, brought him in as a, I believe, a 19-year-old from Southampton. I mean, they paid something like 30 million pounds for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a player of his age and experience level, that was a whole lot of money. Uh, but they, they thought, you know, their thinking was he's going to be the England left back for the next 10-plus years. Right. Um, when he has been – you know, the thing is, when he's been healthy, he's been, for the most part, really good. Yeah, he had that freak uh, injury last year. Yeah, and it's missed never... nearly all the season last year yeah. through the freak injury. But, you know, man, Josie's just – I mean, we've said it, Josie's Josie. He has he has his own opinions of what guys should be doing, and I mean you know it's hard to argue with the guy because I mean look at his track record, you know look at his trophy cabinet. It's hard to argue with him that his methods, however infuriating, don't to a to a to a certain extent work. Right. So if he's suddenly looking at Luke Shaw and he's like, yeah, this kid, I, I don't like him. I don't like what he's doing. I don't like him. United, here, here's another thing coming in, Luke Shaw's English. United are not going to be super excited about selling the guy that they've identified as the future England left back and who, I mean, let's be real, it, anywhere else he goes in the league, he's starting anyway. And he's going to be England's number one left back. <laughs> right. um, I mean, I would tell you as a Liverpool fan, as a Liverpool fan, if he didn't have the United um, stink on him, my God, I'd take Luke Shaw in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, hell yeah, we take Luke Shaw. Um, Chris Smalling, Chris Smalling's kind of in the same category. Uh, not quite the prodigy that Luke Shaw was, but I mean, Chris Smalling last year was seen as, hey, you know, this is a future, uh, you know, English cornerstone on the England team. Uh, you know, had a really good season. Uh, had really played really well under Louis Van Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but since Josie's come in, you know, Josie, once again, I mean, we said it, Josie's just Josie. And I don't really know how to explain what Mourinho does a lot of the time. I can't explain it. Um, but, you know, you've got two you know, really highly thought of young English defenders. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to get rid of a Moroccan guy than a French guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean let's, let's put it this way, you know. Uh, I mean, if you want to get rid of Mictarian, people are going to be like, oh, God, we spent a lot of money on him. Oh, it was a waste, whatever. But, you know, you don't overly have to worry about Mictarian forever. If you sell Luke Shaw or Chris Smalling and you know, they go on to be the cornerstones of the England defense that wins the Euros, 
I mean, suddenly people are looking at the United, you fucking idiots. Yeah. You know, you are morons because you gave up on these guys. And, and of course, you know, if Josie's gone in two seasons, you've given up on two, you know, decade-long starters because Josie didn't like them. But does Josie care? Oh, no, that's the thing. Josie doesn't care. But United, I'm saying this more comes down to the club. You know, that, and there's the thing, it comes down to, do you really, really want to give Josie Mourinho 100% control of your club? Uh-huh. And, A, that's what he asked for. Um, and, B, I mean, that's what he gets because he's Josie Mourinho. But, I mean, you've got to look at some of the things of this guy. I mean, his youth policy is next to nothing. Um, it does not, for whatever bullshit line he he wants to spew you about how he develops young talent. Mm-hmm. Every now, every every once in a blue moon, one of them happens to pop up. Of course. And of course, the thing is, you know, he's at these clubs. He's at United. He's at Real Madrid. He's at Chelsea. He's at Inter back in the day when they were, you know, European champions. He's at clubs that have these huge, huge war chests and. When you look at you know United and Chelsea and, and Madrid, those are clubs that like to invest in youth. So they go out and they'll pay top dollar for the best 15, 16 year olds in the world. And then, you know, Mourinho doesn't do much of anything to bring those kids through. And like I say, yeah, once in a while, one of them's gonna be so good, you know, you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, that's not Mourinho anymore. And you know, especially a club like United, United and Liverpool have something in common. They are both, you know, almost snobbish to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. huh, you know, we don't, you know, we, we like to bring our own players through. And you sit there and say United. But I mean, you think about it, what's, what's the most famous thing at United over the last 30 years? You know, the class of 92. It was, uh, you know, Neville and Beckham and Skulls and before you know gigs and uh, you know uh, you know Nicky Butt you know it was the it was that group it was the guys that they brought through the academy um, it was the young guys they got really early and they developed and then you know United would go out and you know they would buy some stars but they were almost more like the late '90s Yankees mm-hmm. where you know hey the core of this team are guys that we brought through ourselves. And then we go out and supplement them. But, especially under Mourinho, they're already getting away from that. I mean, you just, you look at what they spent over the summer. Yeah. I mean, and and Zlatan was free. Mm -hmm. You know, they brought in four players, spent a freaking fortune, and one of them was a free. And also, you're probably, he's probably the highest paid player in England. You know, so you're probably paying him a salary higher than anybody else. So, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, United as a, as a club, as a culture, they like to fancy themselves as, hey, you know, we build, we build from within, we develop youth. Mourinho doesn't give a shit about that. I mean, Mourinho's thinking, I think Mourinho's thinking he'll be there five, six, seven years. In actuality, we know it'll probably be four or less. Right. And Mourinho's kind of one of those, 
you know, I'm I'm willing to mortgage the future to win that. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Do, what shit do I give? What they do three years after I'm gone? So you know, and bringing this back now to Smalling and to uh, Luke Shaw, I think I agree with you. I don't think Mourinho gives that big a shit if he lost those guys. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, when they become superstars, Mourinho probably won't be at United. Right. When they really take off and do these things, it, when Luke Shaw's playing for um, for uh, Arsenal and Chris Smalling's playing for, um, you know, uh, Everton, and suddenly, you know, they're becoming the stalwarts of England and they're, they're superstars, Josie will just be off to his next job somewhere. Or uh, at that point, he'll probably be like the Portugal national team manager, so. He go. certainly won't care at that point. <laughs> um, real quick, are, are salaries in England, when they say per week, is that calculated on a 38-week or a 52-week? Calculated by 52-week. 52. Okay, well, then I can tell you uh-huh. that Zlatan is going to make roughly uh, a little over $16.5 million this that's year. That, that, is, that is dollars. Okay, that's dollars. That is dollars. So maybe not, I, I maybe not the highest paid player in England, but still, I mean, that's a $16.5 million player. Yeah. yeah there aren't many making more. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Uh, maybe, maybe Rooney. Maybe. Well, maybe Pogba. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, you know, what's, just what's maybe maybe his teammates at United. You know, it's yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, let's see. The uh, uh, I'm not going to bother uh, trying to convert that. It's still a lot of money. So yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on at United right now. I don't. I I I, I want to go up to Ed Woodward and just say I don't know what you expected, mm-hmm. but. But it's Ed Woodward, so don't don't tell him what he's doing wrong. Because he is an excellent manager, and he is an excellent bargainer, and an excellent... I would guy. like the finest of Belgian chocolates. <laughs> Fellaini! Oh, God, Fellaini. Well, that, that is going to do it for uh, our five in focus. Uh, a real quick look at the Premier League table as we go to this international break. Uh, Liverpool are atop with 26 points. Chelsea in second with 25. City and Arsenal both at 24. Tottenham in fifth with 21. United and Everton both have 18. And Watford in eighth with 15 points. Also, I did want to say maybe that uh, really early on when we were talking about Chelsea... Through 11 matches, and again, just 11 matches, I would say right now Antonio Conte might be my manager of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I wouldn't also throw a vote Sean Dyche's way Mm -hmm. because he has Burnley right now in ninth place in the Premier League. And it could all fall apart at any point. But right now, Burnley, ninth place with 14 points. Uh, At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Middlesbrough, Palace, and West Ham all have 11 points and sit just outside. Hull have 10 points, 
and now the ultimate indignity for Swansea. They're being caught from behind by Sunderland. Both teams now at five points. Swansea's slightly better goal differential, so they they stay in uh, 19th place. But those two teams currently six points away from safety, and uh, wins look to not be coming very quickly for either side. Um, we take a look now at Europa League football. Yeah. And we just talked a whole lot about United. And uh, you can just double all that talk as they went and lost to Fenerbahce over last Thursday. 2-1. Jermaine Lenz with the eventual winner in the 59th minute. Wayne Rooney with a consolation goal in the 89th. But I want to tell you, Wes, uh, I don't know if you saw it. Musa So who had the first goal inside just about two minutes. Maybe one of the best goals I have ever seen in my life. Oh, just, magnificent. Oh, scissor kicking to perfection as uh, as he spells United's downfall. And what that does in Group A, Fenerbahce and Feyenoord, both on seven points through four matches, United at six points, Zoria Luhansk at two, and now United get Feyenoord at home. Uh, Feyenoord actually dropped United in the first round of group stage play 1-0 at uh, Rotterdam. So we'll see if United can pick up a win as uh, as they, they need to start getting points, West because top two, you know, as, as much as I don't think Josie might really care about the Europa League, I, I, I kind of feel like still, still, United crashing out in the group stage would be a gigantic embarrassment to them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's got to be, especially when you're sitting there looking at all the superstars who, uh, however you want to put it, they're playing in these matches. Mm-hmm. Pogba's playing, you know, uh, uh, Zlatan's playing, Rooney's playing. These guys are playing, mm-hmm. and you're still losing to teams that still half your fan base have never heard of. Um, like you said, I think the easiest thing for United, and I think they figured they would go through pretty easily. Um, I think a lot of people figured they would too. I mean, just get through the group stage and then, hey, if you lose over two legs, you lose over two legs. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world at that point. But you do not want the embarrassment of not even getting out of the group stage of your right. It's one thing not getting out of the group stage of the Champions League. That's bad enough. But not getting out of the group stage of Europa. I mean, we're talking like the West Ham's of the world at this point. Yeah, and it was just very odd to, um, you know, Pogba coming out in the 30th minute to make way for Zlatan. And, you know, just, just very odd stuff going on here in uh, at United right now. Also, I will say, Wes, so, you know, Fenerbahce, give them a little credit. Not only do they have former Manchester United stalwart Robin Van Persie, do you know who was patrolling the defensive back line for Fenerbahce in this match and also, of course, picked up a yellow card in the 71st minute? I mean, it's a guy who's made a career out of beating Manchester United, and that's the Skirt Skirt Ryan. Oh, yeah. Very appropriate. White power for Martin Skirtle. Ah, ethnic cleansing has come to Turkey. Oh, it's. I'm sure they welcome it. I apologize to all our Turkish listeners out there. I guess we have them. 
Uh, now we also have to, of course, take a look. So that, we, that's we, a little south of our uh, of our uh, demographic charted. Yeah, we're more eastern. Uh, we we like Europe. we just love the Eastern Bloc. Um, we also, of course, we just take into account our our, our English teams when we talk about Europa and uh, Southampton. After losing to Inter at the San Siro one nil a couple weeks ago, they come back and get a huge win at St Mary Stadium two one. Uh, Mauro Icardi had an early goal for them, but Virgil Van Dijk and uh, Yuto Nagatomo uh, had an own goal for Inter in the 70th minute that would prove to be the difference as Southampton comes all the way back they get to seven points uh they're they're just two behind Sparta Prague through four matches uh for the group lead Hapoel Bershiva are at four points Inter are at three and uh that will as we go to our commercial break here in just a minute, that will tie neatly into our first news and note of the week. Uh, but Wes, that was a it was a big win for Southampton, and uh, they they go on the road to Israel in their next group stage match, where if they get even a point there, all they really need is a result, and uh, they will have just a, a result means they would that weirdness would have to happen for them not to go to the knockout phase. They get a win and they are on to the knockout phase, which for Southampton, kind of an up and down season, you know, but with, again, all the turnover they've had, not having a great Premier League season to make it to the knockout stage as bad as it would be for United not to make it. I think that's how good it would be for a team like Southampton to make the knockout stage. Let's see if I'm Southampton, I kind of look at Southampton as being in a, uh, a somewhat similar position as Liverpool was last season with the Europa league. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got this kind of understanding that, you know, you ain't making the top four. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to finish in the, you know, near the bottom of the top half. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not take your chance? Why not? You know, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, hey, Liverpool were 45 minutes from it paying off last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a trophy and a trip into the Champions League. I mean, Southampton, uh, other than maybe a domestic cup, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not. Well, you know, I say this uh, taking Leicester into account. Southampton probably ain't winning the Premier League anytime soon. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you get a chance in Europe, I mean, if you get in the knockout stages, you know, you might as well go for it. I mean, I can understand where, you know, Tottenham last season, it wasn't a priority for them because, A, they had a good feeling they were finishing in that top four, and, B, they were in a title race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, why am I going to throw my – you know, all my energy into Europa at that point. But, you know, someone like Southampton, I mean, Southampton are probably going to finish the season in eighth or ninth, mm-hmm. much like Liverpool a year ago. So, you know, I mean, what have you got to lose? I mean, hell, you get, you know, you get uh, the European experience, you get um, you get the European exposure. Mm-hmm. And, hell, if you find a way to win it, shit, you're in the Champions League next year. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I, they should. I, I absolutely agree with them. Go, go for it, Southampton. Go for a trophy, and uh, see if you can finally bring one home with the, with the, even with all the turnover you guys have had. So then you can sell half your team next year. Perfect. Well, maybe you bring in some money. Maybe you don't have to start selling your entire team next year. 
All right. Uh, speaking of selling things, we're going to sell you guys some adverts right now as we take this quick commercial break after the break. It will be news and notes time on the Foreign Affair podcast. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i-em-power.com. And welcome back. Oh, wait, we're not going to come back yet. Yes, my love. Can I help? Oh, you're going to bed? All right. Good night, one name, producer Jackie. Good night, one name, producer Jackie. Good luck at your new job, which I believe starts tomorrow. Well, you're because I'm wearing headphones. She didn't hear oh, that, well, so okay. I will I will relay that message. Wes says good luck on your job when you're starting tomorrow. Thank you. You're She's welcome. Shan, I don't know if you heard that. I didn't catch all of it. She Gary said Johnson. she just yelled out, "Yep." Gary. That's a, that's our uh, that's our running joke for the rest of our lives. Is we're just gonna see each it's other. Cute. You guys have a thing. We, we have a thing. It's nice. We have a thing. Yeah. Um. By the way, just to let you know what I'm watching, I forgot that there was another match in between. I turned on uh, the only soccer match I have on my DVR right now was Liverpool Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it's on NBC Universal. Oh, God. Well, see, I, I've got like a Liverpool season pass on my mm-hmm. direct TV. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so when it tapes... It tapes the regular NBC, but it also tapes them on like the Spanish-speaking channel if they're on there. But that's the thing: if you're playing the twelve thirty match this year, that's going to be the only place you can find your match because oh, of the affiliations. Oh. <laughs> so you can watch on the Spanish channel. So that's why mine hey. taped. Practicing your Spanish, very nice. Oh, so that's what I'm watching. I'm watching NBC in in vivo, NBC Universal. Uh, Liverpool Crystal Pals. Very nice. All right. Well, welcome back to the Foreign Affair Podcast. I'm Edward Green, and joined as always by McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, and this hey. podcast. Of course, hey, hey, Wes. Presented to you by NGSC Sports. I'm Next USA, and I am Power. Uh, we are going to hit now news and notes, and we talked a little bit about Inter uh, as they played Southampton just before we went to break. But uh, Wes will now talk about Inter a little more as apparently the curse of the all-new sports show slash a foreign affair podcast visiting Charlotte, visiting the International Champions Cup and visiting with the teams has somehow stuck with Inter into this year. They already fired uh, Roberto Mancini and uh, now they've already fired the guy they brought in to replace him as Frank DeBoer has been sacked over the phone by uh, the pe- the head people at Inter Milan. Broke up with it by text. How fun that was that? That is fantastic. Uh, the Sunning Holdings Group uh, bought their majority share of the club in June, uh, and uh, they have acted already. Currently, um, Inter sit in 12th place in Serie A. Uh, but now this is a man, Wes, uh, Frank DeBoer, who uh, left Ajax at the... Uh, sorry, Ajax. I know. I actually messed it up that time, not on purpose. Uh, Ajax left it uh, after losing late in the league last year and now came over to Inter and just, you know, a couple months into his reign, he's immediately sent packing. 
Inter wasn't doing great, but I, I kind of wonder if this group just has a bit of an itchy trigger finger. I mean, that's this wasn't a great team. They already didn't look that good. You know, when we saw them play in Charlotte, Tottenham, you know, when they played them right before the season started, they absolutely destroyed them. You know, this is a team that needed to be built and it doesn't look like there. I'm, I'm a little curious to see how this ownership group is going to treat Inter going forward. At this point, man, about the only thing I can compare them to were, uh, was when George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees. And, uh, <laughs> hey, let's hire Billy Martin. Ah, fire Billy Martin. Six months later, hey, let's hire Billy Martin. Yeah. Um, as you said, I mean, since taking over in June, I mean, literally what, about six months, they've already been through two managers. Not only that, two mm-hmm. high-profile managers. Yeah. You know, Mancini had obviously won the Premier League uh, at Manchester City. Uh, Frank DeBoer was seen as one of the up-and-coming managers in, in world football uh, mm-hmm. after his time at Ajax, uh, one of the famous uh, DeBoer brothers. Uh, of of the the Netherlands fame, mm-hmm. um, that said, things had not been going well. They were in twelfth. Mm-hmm. Also said, uh, De Boer has had to deal with things that in in his three months in charge that most managers never have to deal with things such as Mauro Icardi being Mauro Icardi. <laughs> The fact that the fans despise their own captain and are very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that, too, I mean, it's a pretty expensively assembled squad that's just not good. Their balance sucks. Uh, They've got a lot of guys they're paying big money to who are over the hill. I mean, really, what Inter need to do and... You know, the thing is, Inter, we, we don't look at Inter that much here in the United States, but, I mean, they are they are kind of one of four really massive clubs in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. The other two being their city rival, AC Milan. Uh, of course, Juventus and Roma, who I think everyone kind of calls, like, the sleeping giant of Europe. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, they, they're in that category. They're seen as one of the big four, and you're sitting in 12th, and you've just been disappointing. Things aren't going well. You know me, and I, I like to give guys time to mm-hmm. say blood in. Yes. Um, <laughs> you love the blooding. Love the blooding. Uh, and DeBoer, now that said, I don't know what the behind the, behind the uh, curtain was going on. You know, I mean, he might have been dog-cussing out whoever his liaison was. Who knows? Uh, but it just seems extremely peculiar that you would <clears throat> you would bring in a guy who is, you know, seen as one of these potentially, like, top world managers. Mm-hmm. You bring him in, and then in three months, just because you're not getting immediate results with a team that's not that great, um, you're firing him. Right. Said, what would have been the difference if they were in seventh comfortably instead of twelfth? Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know the, the the article that this is coming from from the Mirror over in England uh-huh. does mention that the uh, the ownership group wants a quote more high profile appointment, such as 
Laurent Blanc, who of course was at PSG, Andre Villas-Boas, who I did not realize until reading this article, is actually no longer at Zenit. He is actually now at uh, Shanghai, uh, uh, taking over. Who uh, he replaced uh, Sven Goran Eriksson for that 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 club. Wow, yeah. two two bitterly disappointing foreign imports to England. There you go, and. Here's their third choice, Wes, according to this article, is one Louis Van Gaal's army. Oh my God! Please bring Van Gaal back. I just I need Louis Van Gaal in this in in this world twisted. I, you know, Blanc might not be a bad guy to bring in, but I I don't know. I I'd be a little. I I don't see Villas Boas as any bit of an upgrade over De Boer and. As far as LVG versus DeBoer, DeBoer is more of an up-and-coming guy, someone who can lead your team into the future for years to come. As we mentioned, when Van Gaal took over United, he didn't think that that was going to be a long-term stay for him either, just because of his age and and where he was in his life. So I, besides Blanc, I don't really know what better option there really is out there. Louis Van Gaal's Red Army. Louis Van Gaal's Red Army. I just I want to hear that uh, Louis Van Gaal's uh, Azul Army yeah. uh, ringing through the uh, the San Siro. All the ultras will sing. Oh, it would be magnificent. Um, but you know the thing is, yeah, those guys are maybe a little more high profile than De Boer. But I mean. I don't know that they're doing a better job with this Enter team. Than oh, I just don't think it's a very good team. I don't think it's a well-constructed team at all. And, I, I mean, I think I think Pep Guardiola would have a hard time going in with that group. I think Jurgen Klopp would have a hard time going in with that group. Carlo Ancelotti, whatever top, top manager you want to throw out there, they're not having an easy time with this group. So... Mm-hmm. But, but whatever. I mean, you get that. You get that sometimes with new management, uh, with new mm-hmm. ownership, especially especially when they've got a shit ton of money, and they're just not being allowed to spend it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, um, and they want to come in and they want to brand this. You know, uh, we're we're not here to, you know, we're not here to be the status quo. We're here to, you know, turn things around and do it quickly. Mm. And. DeBoer, unfortunately, uh, ends up being the guy who has to follow the sword out there. Yeah, tough break for him. I I, I wonder if maybe the, the ownership there didn't really know exactly what they were getting into. Um, but maybe, you know, another decision that was made that kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, we, we've been telling you guys the past couple years about the Balloon d'Or celebration and awards given out uh, to, to the best uh, soccer players in the world. Uh, well, FIFA said, you know what? We're just going to go back to doing our own thing. Uh, you guys... Uh, Thanks, but uh, we're going to go over here now. Uh, FIFA had actually run their own World Player of the Year award from 1991 until 2009 when they joined up with uh, France Football and their Balloon d'Or. And uh, now they're just going to go back to doing their own thing. Um, The awards are, are this because here's the great name FIFA is giving these awards. They're simply called The Best. They are The Best Football Awards. 
I love it. Somehow, I feel like they've been watching American politics when they came up with these names. Anyway, corruption. The best FIFA men's player, the best FIFA women's player, the best FIFA men's coach, best FIFA women's coach, uh, the Puskas Award for Goal of the Year, the Fair Play Award, the Fan Award, which I don't know what that's for, and the uh, the World Eleven Award as well. Um, they have sent out a uh, a list of people who will be can be announced the best FIFA men's player because yes the best uh the 23 candidates that they have listed include uh Sergio Aguero the Coon, Gareth Bale, Gigi Buffon, uh Fake Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, uh Griezmann, Zlatan, uh, Iniesta, Ngolo Kanté, Tony Cruz, uh Robert Lewandowski, Riyad Mahrez, Messi, uh, Luka Modric, Manuel Noor, Neymar, Ozil, Dimitri Payet, Paul Pogba, Sergio Ramos, Alexis Sanchez, Luis Suarez, and Jamie Vardy having a party. Um, so basically, it's either going to be Messi or Ronaldo, and we just had to put in 21 other names, I guess. Yeah, because, you know, you have to at least make it, much like FIFA, there's got to be some semblance of a way they can make extra money off of it. Of course they do. Um, the other uh, other awards will be announced um, as as they, they come to pass. Uh, and guess and uh, next month we'll find out the uh, the Puskas Award nominees as the uh, the all the award winners will be uh, presented at the best FIFA football awards show. That's actually what it's called. It's called the best FIFA football awards show on January 9th, twenty seventeen. Wes. It's it's so FIFA. I just want to know if we're nominated, uh, if we're one of the eight thousand uh, podcasts nominated as the best. Yes, we are the best. Podcast. Until they listen to hear us actually talk about FIFA, not call them. Do not let them near us. <laughs> we will not get a press. press and, and then, of course, the best when it comes to the uh, the podcast will be uh, Set Bladder Weekly, hosted by uh, Uncle Sep. Oh, I have won my own of all. No, no relation. No relation at all. Oh, uh, well, no relation apparently. When all it is is set bladder with a fake mustache. Of course it is. No relation to, uh, as we we might have thought when we first read this story, but of course, maybe there was something that actually came out of it. Uh, this was an interesting article that we saw in the uh, the Mirror. Sunderland's David Moyes Hope's humbling car factory visit will put his rock bottom side on the road to recovery. Um, and it actually did. Uh, that's I know he uh, he t- with the full backing of uh, Martin Bain. Uh, he brought his uh, employees or his rather, I'm sorry, his team to a nearby Nissan plant uh, and had them interact with the 7,000 workers and uh, the 27,000 supply chain jobs. According to Moyes, he said, quote, it is important the players to see what success looks like in a work sense. All the people by interact, I mean, uh, they made them work on the line. All the people are really supportive everywhere I go. That is what I get. People who are understanding of the situation and what we are trying to do. And that is the club as well. Yes. At the club, everyone is very good as well. I want them to go away and realize how lucky they are, how they have a talent and not to waste it. Hang on and fight for everything you can. Uh, over over uh, under four weeks before he's fired. 
I mean, I would have I would have definitely taken the under had they not won this week. Um, what do you think? I, I, I think four straight losses would still like secure that up. But I mean, I, I have to imagine how, how much is Nissan paying to uh, to make sure that Manchester United isn't the only team soiling a car company's good reputation. And what happens when they show up at a Mazda or something? Oh God! I, I mean, whatever. Uh, I Do you think shit like this actually works? Um, let's put it this way: I don't believe that uh, Jermaine Defoe went out on Saturday and was like, "You know what, man? My life's so much better than that guy who works the three to eleven uh, and <laughs> and, uh, and screws on the fittings for the door frame." Oh, man, my life's so much better, so I'm going to go out here and I'm going to play harder. No. We've talked about it. Sunderland have been – they Sunderland, I mean, yes, they suck and they're at the bottom of the league. It's not like Sunderland's been blown out all season. They just can't score. Yeah. I mean, Moyes makes you – Moyes usually will give you a good defense. They just can't score goals. And you know what? They came and they found a way to score a couple goals and they win. Once again, I don't think anybody was thinking about uh, Earl that they met down at the uh, Nissan plant. And oh, I'm going to do it for Earl. Can you do it for Earl? You know, got to do it for Wolby. <laughs> so, no, I mean, there was nothing like that. It just so happened that, you know, they found a couple of goals and only gave up one. I mean, I, I don't think it, it would have mattered if they had gone to the Cracker Factory. No. Uh, speaking of the Cracker Factory, that might have been where. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, that may be where uh, what is rumored to be the firm uh, solidified Gareth Southgate in charge of England men's national team. Uh, that might have been where they picked up a few of the guys who got added to the 23 man squad uh, going out into play their their. A qualifying match against Scotland, and then I believe a friendly against Spain uh, on the on next Tuesday, uh, if I am not mistaken. That, it, that that is a friendly, correct? Yes, friendly against Spain. There's other uh, yes. one qualifier in there. Then the, uh, the qualifier against Scotland, and then the friendly. Mm-hmm. So so names uh, reappearing on the England squad like Jags, Phil Jagielka, as well as Theo Walcott. And Andros Townsend. Wes, aren't you just excited when even Wayne Rooney's still in the squad? Although Danny Drinkwater did have to to go away. So he won't be joining this England's men's national team. In all seriousness, how do you feel about the the side going to play uh, Scotland and England? My nipples are tingling. Oh, you're you're feeling good about it. I don't know. Oh, I don't think it has anything to do with the team, though. I think it's because uh, I left the fan on in here, and it's really cold in this room. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. There's no magic elixir for England. We just don't have great players everywhere. I mean, you know, and all those guys you mentioned, I mean, they're solid. Yeah, Theo Walcott's been scoring goals. Um, yeah, but... I mean, it's what it is. Uh, Garrison gets kind of, you know, you, you, you can't run everybody into the ground. And also you've got injuries to deal with. 
So, I mean, once you, you know, here, here's the deal, Ed. I think you can make a really, really good case for a really good first 11. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I mean, you know, you've got a list that it's just like, uh, you know, these are the same damn guys I see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, who do I want to give the shot to this time? Who, who do I want to see if maybe they can step up for us? Because the last group of A, B, and C didn't get it done, so maybe D, E, and F here can get it done for us. I mean, here's the thing. You know, you're going to see, if they're healthy, you know, you're going to see Sturridge. You're going to see Kane. No, I don't want to see Kane. I, no. I know you don't. I don't want to see Sturridge, but I'm just saying. If they're <laughs> healthy, you know, you're going to see those guys. But, I mean, really, if you start thinking English striker after Sturridge and Kane... I mean, is it yeah. is it uh, is it the guy from Rashford? But I mean, they're playing Rashford more as a winger. Jamie Vardy. Yeah, who scored what one freaking goal this year? I, um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking Theo, it's Theo's team now. I mean, you play Theo, but Theo they play Theo more as a winger. I was thinking yeah. the guy at uh, at uh, Bournemouth. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, and, you know, then you get into midfield and, you know, Jordan Henderson's kind of a quick name onto the list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Deli Ali is going to be quick. Eric Dyer is going to be a quick well, name. On the Deli Ali is not going to be there because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying right. normally, you know, mm-hmm. let's say if everybody's healthy, you know, you've got a handful of guys who these are the guys we're going with. Um, and then you've got to fill out a squad. <laughs> And like I said, you've got this next, you've got this like next list of guys, and you're like, uh, uh, okay. I mean, I guess I'll take Jaggy Elka this time. Yeah, I mean, God, at least Tom Cleverley's not getting picked anymore. Yeah. Uh, instead of that, uh, because of Danny Drinkwater and Fraser Forster having to bow out, uh, Aaron Creswell and Jordan Pickford will be joining the team. Um, Literally cannot tell you who Jordan Pickford plays for. Um, uh, for West Ham, but. Uh, Jordan Pickford plays for Sunderland. Jesus Christ. He is their keeper. Thank oh, they can't be good at all. Uh, one quick thing about Janey Drinkwater. Didn't realize this thanks to Squawk, Squawky Football. <laughs> Squawky. It says Squawky. Uh, Danny Drinkwater has misplaced more passes than any other Premier League player this season at 154. Well, unfortunately Mis- for Danny, he's been, he's been kind of a victim of the coming back to earth. Uh, yeah, very much so. This season. Yeah. Just, <laughs> this whole Drinkwater is the future. Now, you remember last year when... Uh, when uh, Arsenal and Liverpool and Chelsea, I think it was mostly Liverpool and Chelsea, were going to have a bidding war for Drinkwater. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, no, 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 we're not. No, 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 no. that's not happening. No, no, no. He's been very good this year. No, we're no one's getting into a bidding war. And then literally, <laughs> you know, everybody was going to get into a bidding war with all the Leicester players. Mm-hmm. And then it basically came down to you know Angola Conte, who is probably like the most legit out of all of them. He mm-hmm. got sold, and the rest of them were like all being exposed this year. <laughs> Even you know the great Ryan Mares is suddenly like, oh, yeah. I mean, he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might not be fifty million pound good. <laughs> oh, it hasn't been a good good start to the season for Leicester. Is he English? Oh shit! Never mind. 
Hey, at least they have the Champions League. There, there is that. Oh, they are doing well. Um, so, Wes, that is going to do it, though, for our football talk for the week. Uh, that brings us to the Watch 4. What are you watching in the week that was, or the week that will be, besides En Vivo Liverpool? Vivo Liverpool. Uh, it's 4-2 now, by the way. Um, uh, horror Story is uh, getting uh, getting on tonight. I haven't seen it yet, of course, because we're potting the penultimate episode. Um and of course, next week. Now, I'm wondering how they're going to do this. In the past, the season finale. In the past, with Horror Story, the way they've always done it is 95% of everything is wrapped up in the mm-hmm. episode, and then the last episode they go into more. You know, here's what happened to this person. Here's what happened to this person. Here's what happened to this person. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering because it's going to be very hard because. Nearly all of your characters have been killed this season. Oh, well. I mean, you know, you, you'll, you'll lose some, obviously. But, you know, as as we said, only one is going to... Only, it says uh, on the... Um, it said on the, on the write-up when they were introducing the series, only one person survived this. Oh. So, I mean, they told you that right away. So, uh, I think we're... Down to, I, I think we're down to three people still alive. Oh, God. One of them's Angela Bassett, which is awesome because I love Angela Bassett. Oh. Um, and the other one is uh, Sarah Paulson. And, and mm-hmm. then I don't know the other actress, but but basically, uh, Angela Bassett is the uh, actress who is the actress who played this other girl who's still alive. So basically this other girl is still alive twice, kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, but whatever. Um, so I'm really, really excited to get home from our football match tomorrow. Uh, and that's 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 kind of my Thursday night thing, is usually I get home from class about 10.30 and I watch Horror Story from the night before. Mm-hmm. So uh, tomorrow night, uh, post-Rocky Mountain Hunt, I'll be coming home to uh, take in the Horror Story. Oh, if you want, if you want the true horror story, look no further than a little show on Netflix called Terrace House: Boys and Girls in the City. Oh, jeez, Louise, that's already terrifying. I don't even know what's going on. Oh, it's let me let me let me paint you a little picture here, Wes. Do you, do you remember a little show that that aired in America called The Jersey Shore? I do remember fist pumps from something. There, there you go. And, and the term where we started calling females grenades. I I don't remember that, so I'm very very happy to not remember that. Um, yeah, it probably is. Now imagine that. Matt, or no, you know what? Actually, I have a better analogy. Do you remember a show called The Real World? Oh, do I? It's what happens. When when the cameras start rolling and things get real, my favorite, of course, the Mad Real World. <laughs> my favorite is actually Chappelle's show, Real World. Well, yeah, that was the Mad Real, the Mad Real World. Oh, okay. I, I thought you meant like Mad TV I did a Real World. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, well, well, imagine that, but instead of a bunch of young and fun Americans, you go to Tokyo. 
and you have three young Japanese boys and three young Japanese girls. And when I say young, I mean in like their 20s. But but with the, all the awkwardness Put and of course, and, and not only that, but you have you have it's a show within a show because then six people, they, they have, there's, there's six other people who are watching the episodes and commentating on them. In all in Japanese, and it's it's so much fun. I I am I've I've made it. I watched about six minutes of episode one and was like, "Yep, I'm good to go. This is this is this is my kind of speed right here." So if you if you haven't seen it, and I can't imagine any of you have, uh, go check out Terrace House on on the Netflix. Uh, and I there's like it's. Each episode's about half an hour. I think there's like 40 some episodes of the season. And then uh, season two coming soon to Netflix where they take it to Hawaii. What? What? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. With the Japanese right. kids? Interesting. Yeah, I, I imagine it'll still be Japanese kids. So that'll be... A lot of fun given just a nice house. You should see how they react to having a pool. Oh. They're like, holy shit, we have a pool? That's insane. Oh, but I know take off shit. Oh, oh, Sugoi, yeah. Not me. Oh, we love you, Japan. And we also love New Japan, Wes, which I think is a very nice transition as we get Sarah. Even though we're literally not going to talk any New Japan tonight, but still. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Just know. I didn't have another wrestling segment. Just know the Bullet Club rules the world and they rule Japan. Of course. Um, all right. And biggest thing this week, uh, we were. This is a tough week for WWE each year when they mm-hmm. do it because this is the week um, one of the European tours. Which I believe they do maybe two, maybe even three a year at this point. But here's the thing. When you do the European tour, that means Raw and SmackDown have to be pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, they're still showing at 8 o'clock on the East Coast of America, which is like, what, 2 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> or, well, uh, actually in uh, in Scotland this, this week, um, as uh, both originated from Glasgow. Wow, Glasgow. Both right beside Celtic Park. So, Ed, I have to believe that Brendan Rodgers was somewhere in the building. They showed great character. I can tell because there was a lot of positivity around the shows. Of course. You know, the New Day was extra positive. It's like, oh, my God. I, I literally was watching the New Day going, you know, somehow it would be awesome if you guys mentioned Brendan Rodgers here. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be. Oh, they just came out in Celtic. Oh, no, so of course, no, of course, the uh, the uh, the Scotland costume of dress was, of course, idiots wearing kilts. Of course, because you know it couldn't be cool enough to wear like a a, a Scott Brown jersey or something. Come on, of course. Come on, guys, do better. Okay, um, I, I'm just gonna hit the big parts of it this year because this week because like I say, you know, when they do these. They're usually not the greatest of shows. Yeah. So, you know, Raw continues to Raw it up. Uh, SmackDown, once again, the better show this week. Uh, really good women's title match uh, between uh, 
uh, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss really good match. Mm. So that was to me that was match of the week. So uh, anyway, um, but what we did get in is we got our uh, our three big matches set up for Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have some shakeup in that, uh, but we do have our our rosters finalized. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do, I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to start with the women's match. Now these mm-hmm. are the traditional five on five Survivor Series style matches, and uh, Survivor Series is still actually two weeks away. But we'll go ahead and give out the the teams, and next week will be the go home shows. Um, and then basically, just to give you the overview in a five-on-five Survivor Series-style match, it's basically two teams of five. And mm-hmm. um, you, uh, if you are pinned or submitted, you are eliminated. Your team keeps going. So oh. basically work down until, obviously, some team has no one left. And the other hmm. team wins. So, okay. You know, that, that's kind of the premise. So, so you know where we're going here. Uh, team Raw is made up of uh, Charlotte Flair, the uh, Raw Women's Champion. Um, so- i start using her last name that's again. right. She's Charlotte Flair now, and I'm, I'm pumped about that. And I'm happy. By the way, that's who Callie says she wants to go as, Hall- as for Halloween next year. Okay. She wants to go as a mummy? No, she wants to go as Charlotte Flair. Oh, okay. Charlotte, not Rick, Charlotte Flair. Come on now. <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't be prouder, though, because... Uh, by Kelly Bug, she's pulling for uh, the new the new self-proclaimed dirtiest player in the game. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's Charlotte Flair. It is um, Sasha Banks, uh, Bailey on the team, mm-hmm. and then uh, Nia Jax, who I'm kind of wondering why we haven't seen more of her lately. She's a an absolute physical presence. Um, actually, The Rock's niece. Is everyone just now related to The Rock? Well, now that there is they, The Rock is a member of a very famous wrestling family, and yes, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of them over the years that come from. They're all Samoan, and she's another part of the Samoan group. Uh, I mean, it's The Rock, it's the Usos, it's Roman Reigns, um, the uh, Samoan SWAT team back in the day, Rikishi, the Head Shrinkers. They, they all come from the the same family, so <laughs> it's actually kind of cool to see the lineage, but. Um, she is not, let's put it this way, Nia Jax is not built quite like your your typical, like, really hot body chick. Mm-hmm. She was she was a plus-size model. Um, but she is like, it, it's like she's big, but she's like muscle big. But not like bodybuilder. You, you just have to look her up to know what I mean. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Um, and then Alicia Fox, which I can only think she's in there because Raw doesn't have a fifth woman. Okay. <laughs> and for some reason, they didn't just do Dana Brooke. But whatever. Uh, they're taking on Team SmackDown, which is uh, Nikki Bella, uh, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Naomi. And uh, Natalia is actually the team uh, captain. Can't really figure that out, but she's like the coach, and she came down with a whistle this week and was telling people what to do. Very official. Good times. Good times, Ed. That's all I was saying. Good times prevailed. Uh, so that that is your women's 
uh, match. That that's going to be fun because I told you, you know, the women have been doing great things lately. So that's going to be a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, now take your five on five format and turn it into tag teams. Mm-hmm. So five tag teams versus five tag teams, which makes it ten on ten. But same premise. If your tag team, if one of the members of your team gets pinned, both members are out of the match. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and once again, uh, all three of these are uh, SmackDown versus Raw. Uh, team Raw is the New Day. Of course it is. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, Gallows and Anderson. Of course, you know my favorite team. Uh, Enzo and Big Cass. And um, a team which I was lucky enough to see their debut live at the Shining Stars. Oh, them. Their gimmick is we're from Puerto Rico and we're trying to sell you a timeshare. Oh, yeah. That gimmick in wrestling. We're trying to t- sell you a timeshare because we're Puerto Rican. And uh, everyone wants to blame Donald Trump for all of our problems, Ed. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even get like like since when do Puerto Ricans sell timeshares? Like I don't even. I don't know. It didn't start off as that, but that's what it's evolved to over the last month. Thanks, WWE. Thanks, Shining Stars. Um, they're taking on Team SmackDown Live, which is uh, the champions Heath Slater and Rhino, uh, the Hype Bros, which are as freaking cool as you think they are. So hype. Uh, the Usos, uh, American Alpha, which is out of all these. If you could just give me a dream match, just give me an American Alpha Gallows Anderson program. That would be amazing. Thank you. It won't happen, I'm sure. Yeah, like, it'll never happen <laughs> it'll now. It'll never happen. Uh, and then uh, a team added last night. They won their way in. Breezango. That is the team of Tyler Breeze and Fondango. Oh, of course. Their gimmick is they're the best-looking men there. And they really are. They are gorgeous men, Ed. Can they wrestle? Uh, yeah, I mean, both of them can wrestle. It's just, you know, they've got, like, the real pretty boy gimmicks. Uh, Fandango came in as a <clears throat> as a dancer. Oh. He had that gimmick. And Tyler and yeah. Tyler Breeze came in as a uh, male supermodel. So, um, yeah. They, uh, they have abs for days. I don't give them that much. Uh. Their ab work is head and shoulders above everyone else in the entire division. And that's kind of where Good it is. Yeah. For them. <laughs> um, now, the one we had the most shakeup in was our, uh, what will be our main event, the big one, the uh, the five-on-five uh, men's match, uh, which Raw and SmackDown taking their best five. Let's start off. Team Raw was introduced as Kevin Owens, your universal champion, his best friend, Chris Jericho, Braun Strowman, who is like kind of the new monster in WWE, uh, actually a North Carolina native. Um, hmm. He's about a uh, 6'9 and weighs about 385. Has a giant beard. Very scary looking man. Most men with beards are. Oh, that's what I'm going for, Ed. And then, of course, uh, Roman Reigns. We gotta have yeah, Roman. Of course. And Seth Rollins. Hmm. And um, over the last 
few weeks, they've they've kind of been teasing us with this Reigns and Rollins, uh, maybe you know uh, reunion, which of mm-hmm. course are two members of the greatest the greatest trio in WWE history, and that was the Shield. Um, <clears throat> and their opponents on the other side, guess what, Ed? Dean Ambrose is over there, so all three Shield guys are in this match, which could be cool. Uh, he is joined by uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion AJ Styles, oh. um, Bray Wyatt, and his new disciple Randy Orton, which has oh, actually oh. been pretty cool thus far. I'm really looking to see where they keep going with that. That'll be cool. Um, the fifth member of Team SmackDown uh, going into SmackDown last night was Baron Corbin. Who is, uh, he's he's really big and he's mean. He's a baron. Oh god, he's so fucking boring. He's a former NFL offensive lineman, so you know obviously we already have issues with him. <clears throat> his gimmick is kind of his gimmick is like, you know, uh, I didn't have to go the same route as you losers who had to do the independent wrestling. They called me because I'm such a great athlete. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, man, I mean, I, I can understand where he gets heat from it because he's just like a prick asshole. But apparently that's kind of how he actually is in real life. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. Well, during his match that he had last night on SmackDown, he um, he hurt his knee. Oh, no. Now, I'm, I'm obviously assuming this is complete storyline. But he had to drop his spot in this match. So, <clears throat> about an hour left in the show, uh, Daniel Bryan, of course, the general manager of uh, SmackDown, uh, was handed the roster list by Shane McMahon and said, you've got to find somebody to put on the team. Um, Daniel said, I'll do it. Well, now, that was... Mentioned that Daniel would do it, but as we all know, Daniel Bryan is completely, and this is like, shoot, this is not a work. Yeah, he's completely right. forbidden from any in ring yeah. activity, uh, lest he die. <laughs> so, Should not be good. Um, so after consideration, uh, as as the night ended, we had kind of an, uh, we had a, a tag match between all the participants who were in in the. In the thing, it was Rollins, Reigns, and Kane coming out and fighting with them, and they were taking on uh, Orton and Bray Wyatt. And anyone, no. God, I'm okay. I'm too confused. Never mind. Um, Who did he pick? Who did he no, pick? It was Kane and Dean Ambrose, and uh, no, not Kane. God, I, Kane was not. No, Kane was there. Oh, sweet. God, it's all running too hard into me now. And James Ellsworth was there. That was the best part. So, If any of you want to try to go back and really just solo that yeah. clip out of Wes saying it's all running too hard into me now, feel free. <laughs> Are we seriously not doing crazy? <laughs> um, at the end of it, Shane McMahon has to come out and break up the two teams from killing each other. That's when Daniel Bryan comes out. Yes, yes, yes. And announces that the fifth member of SmackDown Live's Survivor Series team will be the commissioner himself, Shane McMahon. Oh. Uh, Shane McMahon was like, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, uh, Shane, your name is on the roster. You told me to pick a name off the roster. 
Oh. So now we get the return of Shane McMahon for the first time since uh, WrestleMania when he fought The Undertaker. I'm just fought in air quotes. I'm just saying, dude, Shane McMahon is exciting as shit because he's gonna do something off the charts. So uh, I'm actually, I'm actually really happy with that because I mean, I've tried to get on this Baron Corbin train and I just can't mm-hmm. do it. He just seems like such a complete asshole in real life. He's a Baron um, that I can't do it. And now you give me Shane McMahon, dude. That's awesome. So that's your that's your Survivor Series team uh, for Raw and SmackDown. <sighs> and next week we'll talk about the go home shows. Uh, I might just have to start writing shit down every week. I'm good at just remembering what happened. I'm, I seriously, with the way these two shows are going, I might just have to start writing down stuff that's happening uh, because it's as I said, it's all running together in my head. So. <laughs> welcome, welcome to my world when trying to talk about ten different Premier League matches in a show. Yeah. You would have figured maybe after 132 shows, I would have figured out. Just write it down, dumbass. Nah. Why? Why would we be anything less than suboptimal? You guys here really on don't know me if you think I'm writing everything down. Exactly. We do this show, and you can probably tell this. I literally do this show with no notes. Yeah. Unless Ed sends me a rundown, I have no notes. No notes. Just, no notes. Come to hip, Ed. It's what I do best. Uh, that's what we do best here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. This was episode 132, presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, even if this podcast is about to you. Also brought to you by I'm Next USA and Christy Ross over at I Am Power. You can find them on the Twitter, and you can also find us on the Twitter. At AFA Pod is our collective Twitter. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our sister show, The All New Sports Show. Uh, you can also email us for now at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. You can mail us letters and parcels for now to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. When next week we come back, we'll have more stories, including a few we actually I, uh, I pushed towards next week when we have our international break, uh, including uh, some terrible things that happened to Robin Van Persie, uh, terrible goings on at the Harvard Men's Soccer Club, as well as uh, as a note, a, a segment you might have noticed was missing this week. What's happening at West Ham? Um, so we'll bring that back uh, next week. And of course, we're also talking about international matches, including this is, you know, last week was our rivalry week, West and high school football this week, Thursday you get Brazil, Argentina. On Friday afternoon, you get England, Scotland. And on Friday night, you get USA, Mexico. So even though it's a crappy little international break, you get three great matches in a row over the next couple days. Um, so so go out, enjoy those. And especially if you're in Columbus, Ohio. Wes, anything to add before we get out of here? Um, well, Ed, uh, we will, of course, be wrapping up our coverage of high school football here in our Tri-County area. Uh, and Ed, not only will we be wrapping up the 2016 season, uh, we will be wrapping up, as we said, at least this incarnation of the high school football game of the week, which we've been doing, I believe, for about five years now. Uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. No, six years. Six years. Oh, okay, okay. So this was our sixth season. And, folks, mm-hmm. when we say this incarnation, we mean myself, Wes Bradshaw, running the play-by-play. 
Uh, my man, Ed Green, as the mm-hmm. uh, color commentator. And uh, our, uh, our friend, uh, Deuce, Clint Williams, as our cameraman. Um, we are all <laughs> uh, going our separate ways <laughs> with, the, with the football. Yeah. Uh, Clint, of course, will have a uh, daughter who's a senior in high school next year, and he wouldn't be able to do the games. Uh, I'm working toward taking a position where I won't be available every Friday night. And uh, you, Ed, will be on uh, maybe permanent special assignment coming up. Yeah, permanent special assignment. We, we'll almost probably have to move the panic room. Yeah, uh, we're, just, we're just going to lift it up and pick it up and yeah. take it about an so, hour east of, or west of you. So we're, we're going to be wrapping up um, – Cover. We're going to be wrapping up, as we said, the high school football game of the week. Uh, Rocky Mount Hunt, so at least Ed gets to go out on the capstone. Of course. That, yeah, that's kind of, it kind of worked out nicely, Ed, where you know, at least we get to go out on Rocky Mount. Um, yes. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, hold, we'll have future news as well coming up about uh, the show that started this podcast, uh, the All New Sports Show, which has been our labor of love for a long time now. Literally, because it's not a labor of money. Certainly not. But uh, we'll we'll get to that a little later. So uh, we'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave a hanging chat out there for you election buffs. Jesus Christ. Uh, folks, welcome to the world of TV reality, WWE Hall of Famer, now running America. Mm. Not talking about Ric Flair, unfortunately. Did you hear America broke Canada's immigration website? That's literally my favorite thing ever. <laughs> but but then the the other funny thing I heard, and I saw this, people were actually extremely serious. They're like, you know, uh, Mexico also has universal health care and a more moderate climate than Canada. The fact that you all want to go to Canada is racist. And this was like someone seriously putting this point out there. That, that the people were being racist for wanting to go to Canada and not wanting to go to Mexico. Now, that said, Ed, we know my feelings on Canada. Hmm. That said, one has a cartel yeah. everywhere. Actually, yeah, just about. Real. The other has, like, the Blue Jays. So, <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, if I've gotten to move to one... Yeah, I'm sorry. Watch out for bad. I'm, I'm not Jesse Ventura, <laughs> who can go to Baja and you know live off the grid for six months out of the year. Um, I, I'm probably going to Canada myself, but it, this, we will stick it out here in America. Yeah, this is why I haven't been on social media for like 48 hours. Oh, it's just been magnificent. I literally, let me tell you one more <laughs> because I just I, I pop, I pop. Um, I had a friend of mine, a uh, well, Facebook friend, who wrote a thing on there, and he, he was a Trump supporter, and he wrote a thing on there and said, you know, the election's over. And th- this was what a lot of people were saying today and getting dirty responses. Uh, but, you know, the election's over. We need to try to come together as Americans and, you know, you know all this whole come-together thing. But, but my Facebook friend had, had written this very nice, you know, uh, you know this very nice uh, – uh, little little piece and had really it was like a really impassioned plea you know let's come together let's unify and I click on him the very first comment is fuck you <laughs> and then I click on it and it's like a guy who's like an editor for a newspaper it's like fuck you 
then I just remembered the gentleman who wrote it was like a 70-year-old man from my church, from my parents' church. And this guy just writes, fuck you. <laughs> Shut up. The Xbox 360 had good games. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck but you. I mean, that's all I can say. It's not like, you know, I think you're wrong because, you know, this, this, and this. Just fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Shut up. Fuck you. So... So that, that's kind of it's uh, kind of how it's been going in. Uh, half half of half of social media is having the best day ever, <laughs> and half of social media's living nightmare has now come true. Twitter's not that bad and racist. Shut up. Fuck you. Then Ed, there are those of us who are like you and me who went in, put our vote in for the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and we just let the rest of America decide this mess. Yeah. So thank you for listening to us on the Porn Fair Podcast. Thanks. For my calling crime, West Bradshaw, I'm Evergreen. Stay safe, everyone. Don't do anything stupid. Get off social media for like a day or two and just enjoy some international football. And good night, America. We need, we need a good night's sleep, guys. But remember, I will say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I will say I saw a little banner uh, a couple days ago for uh, the Daily Show's coverage, and I really like this one. Uh, they called it uh, America, the series finale. <laughs> just remember, just channel the 20, uh, crap, what year? The 2015 Red Sox? 2013 Red Sox, I'm sorry. Yeah. Channel the 2013 Red Sox. Every little thing next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngsc sports radio hear us live on ngscsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, radio spreaker itunes 